Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You see him on the Pac-12 Network, Yogi Roth with us. How many contenders do you expect this year? I would have picked USC to win the South and Oregon to win the whole thing in a non-pandemic year. And Peninsula was still there and Thomas Graham Jr. and Jay Tefele and Elijah Vera Tucker. But those players, at least as of now, have opted out and others on those respective teams. So I pair that with some of the players that have opted out and are transferred. You have to look at it like that. And then I look at teams like Utah, Oregon State, you know, some of these teams that have been able to work out during this. To me, it gives them a dramatic advantage coming into the season. I think it could be a wild year in this conference. Man, it's going to be fun. That was Yogi Roth uh, from last week, Gordon. And just kind of a quick reset because it's kind of funny. Um, it seemed like the news obviously was coming fast and furious out of the Pac-12 and, and we were glued to the Twitter machine following uh, you know, uh, people just to wait to see what was coming next. And uh, it's it's been a little bit quiet. We haven't seen anything on scheduling quite yet, uh, and just we're just kind of waiting to see what's next. As you know, teams I'm sure prepare to to undergo a, a camp and, and a lead up to to playing games. But I I don't know if I want to say I'm surprised we haven't seen a, a schedule yet, Gordon. But I wonder how difficult it will be to throw it together. You you would think they would have been working on it for a while. Yeah, you would think so, and I don't think it is that difficult. But uh, uh, we, like you said, we're not sure when it's going to come out or who's even making the decisions in this regard. But, uh, yeah, put it together. It, it, it seems to me like the, the biggest question is who are you going to get in the crossover game and who are you going to – how is that going to be uh, laid out? And then uh, uh, what order are you going to play your in-division foes? Because sometimes that can matter. If you have three difficult games in a row or three more difficult games in a row, I I mean, I haven't done a study on that, but it seems to reason, doesn't it, that that would decrease your your, perhaps your opportunity to win? Oh, I think it makes a, a huge difference. The Utes themselves are evidence of that, where they've been really tough early on in conference seasons and then not so tough at the end. Now, that hasn't been 100% true, obviously, but it has been a bit of a trend at times. I mean, didn't they give Sam Darnold his, only his last loss at USC for two years or something crazy like that when in, in his first start yeah. at Rice Eccles mm-hmm. Stadium? You know? And then in November, they've had some, some real whopper-type losses. Like, uh, you know, God, they lost to that bad Oregon team that one year, Gordon, where a, a trip to the title game was on the line, possibly the year yeah. Colorado won it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, timing can make a huge difference. I agree with that. I mean, injury front alone, you know, sometimes key players, you know, get get hurt or even come back. So, yeah, I, order can make a make a big time difference. But, you know, Utah, given the way that they're doing extra home game this year, they're expected to get that home game in the crossover game, Gordon. But it almost feels like that's a waste because with no fans in the stands, what's really the advantage <laughs> to having a home game? That is true. That is true. Other than uh, other than travel, you know, but uh, sometimes the travel can, you know, around the Pac-12. I mean, the travel situation is not ridiculous. Okay, so I have an idea. Make the travel more difficult. <laughs> Why do they have to go through Cleveland? Just give them like you know six or seven stops. 
depending on, you know, how good the home field advantage usually is. <laughs> you know, if you're going to Oregon, you've got to take the bus because, you know, Austin's pretty daunting. Going to you go into uh, you know UCLA. You get to, you get to fly in a private jet right in. <laughs> so what do you? Uh, what's the? Uh, what do you think? Three stops is the appropriate number. <laughs> Three stops, but but make the middle part of the trip on the bus, right? You know, you fly <laughs> you fly from. Seattle to Vegas, uh, then bus from Vegas to Salt Lake, and then Salt Lake to L.A. Okay. All Commercial. Right. <laughs> the problem the problem is that the Pac-12 doesn't want to make these games more difficult. They want to make them easier for the dominant team because that's what's going to have to happen in order for a Pac-12 team to have any shot at a, uh, at, at a playoff situation. They're going to have to dominate, win big, win every game, and just destroy people. So, so maybe, maybe what they could do is favor the teams that they think will be the best and make everybody else do what you're suggesting. So I'm I'm very uh, pessimistic about a Pac-12 rep in the college football playoff just because they're not going to play as many games, and I think it's a huge, huge long shot. So I was, I was trying to think about this because we've, we've, it's come up on the show a couple of times from a different angle. I honestly think, Gordon, that for a Pac-12 team to get into the college football playoff with only seven games would not only have to go undefeated – but I think the the other conferences would have to have their top teams have several losses. Oh come on, Jay. yeah. That's I not mean, true. you're you, in the several? SEC. In several, the SEC, three. you're going to have to, yeah, several, like three losses. No in way. order for them to have a chance. Get out of town. They're that not getting in over a two-loss SEC team. It's not going to happen. Oh, Jake, if you have. Let's say Oregon just rolls everybody, beats everybody by two or three touchdowns. It's just dominant. A team, no, a team won't have to lose three times. I'm telling you, just watch no. it happen. Just watch. Well, I mean, I, I when it comes to the biases of those who are making such judgments, uh, that that is a tad bit unpredictable, and it's it, uh, logic doesn't always prevail. But uh, are you sure? I, I think I think I think I think I think that's that's pretty ridiculous, Jake. For it to have to be that lopsided, come on. No, I don't think so. Oh, you can say come on to me all you want, but I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. The the Jake, I think prevailing... your paranoia your paranoia has gotten to you, my friend. You have to lose three times. Typical, you know, counter argument. You call me paranoid, even though you know I'm right. They're only playing seven games. <laughs> I don't know you're right. I don't agree with you. You do, though. No, I don't. Well, when it when it comes to pass, you you'll agree with me, and somehow you will take credit for it in the rear view. And it came to pass. <laughs> uh, I I don't uh, no. I I think that if especially if it's a name team, if it's Oregon or USC, and they're undefeated. And you've got uh, – I don't think a team is going to have to lose three times to eliminate them out of the SEC or the ACC. No. That's – I don't know. I could see maybe a one-loss team having an advantage just because of the way things are. But 
a two-loss team in the yeah. SEC will will still have the advantage. Not if there's a dominant, dominant, undefeated team in the Pac-12. Yeah, I don't know if you're right, buddy. To be in the in the Final Four, come on, come on, come on, Gordon. The the Big Ten, you know, if they have a two-loss team. Well, actually, how many total games is the Big Ten playing? Uh, boy, that's a good question. I don't know exactly. They're playing two more or three more. I think it's two more. I'd have to go back and double check. And those two more are both losses. Jake, no, no. I, I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you in principle, but not to that extent. An eight and two Georgia team would get in, get in before a seven and zero Pac twelve team. Mm, not if they're dominant. They're Georgia. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> Me so. All two you losses, want, but you know I'm right. No, you. First of all, no, no, I don't think so. I. If Oregon or USC goes undefeated and, and just destroys their opposition in the Pac-12, that they're they're in. Over a two-loss team from the SEC, I, I think they're in. We'll see. We'll see what happens, Gordon. Which we'll is but you think you think eight and two, how many are they playing? Did we figure that out? The SEC is playing ten. I'd have to go okay, back and double so check if they're, on the Big Ten. If they're, if they're eight and two, and then and a Pac-12 team is seven and zero oh and dominant. I, uh, I mean, you. I guess you could be right, but I don't want to believe that. I don't <laughs> okay. want to believe that. Right? Then don't. Gordon, let's talk a little bit about uh, the NFL last night, and uh, I'm sure you're just walking on sunshine today because your Chiefs uh, looks really dominant over a really good Raiders team, and Patrick mm. Mahomes. I mean, you, you you know, you look at the national pundits and what they're saying today. I mean, it's it's just uh, amazing how in love with this guy they are. But well, uh, for good reason. Uh, yeah, you know, he's okay. Oh, he's okay. Come on. So he he's okay. He and Mike Trout. He can throw okay. the ball from any position practically. He's uh he's something else. And uh he proved it again last night. You know what I like uh, and, about and the two court- teams the two the two teams that a lot of people think are the two best teams in the NFL this year and uh and I think the Chiefs pretty well uh determined who's number one. Uh, yes, it, today in September, and we'll see how things go. But they they looked incredible. There's there's no doubt. You know what I really like about my Mahomes though, honestly, Gordon, is I like his story. How he came in and he sat for a year and he learned the ropes mm-hmm. behind Alex Smith. And to Alex Smith's credit, he didn't Brett Favre him. Alex Smith knew why he was there and, uh, and still gave him the attention and groomed him and was a good teammate and all these things. And to benefit Alex Smith, by the way, Andy Reid found him a great landing spot uh, in another giant contract. And the rest of Alex's story, of course, is, is pretty amazing. But, you know, that parting of the ways was, was just fine. And then Mahomes moves in and and has grown as a player under a great coach. I mean, Andy Reid's an amazing, amazing coach, and it's a great, it's a great match. And they've they've done their best to keep talent around them. And I, I I'm not a Chiefs fan in the slightest. I root against them all the time, <laughs> but uh, unless they're playing the Broncos, then go Chiefs. Uh, but he's ama- I mean, he's he's the best. He's the best player in the NFL right now, and it's probably not close. Russell That's Wilson's doing I... some amazing stuff. Yes, Aaron Rodgers is. is great too, but I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Chiefs are really good, and he's great. 
Well, it's not just it's it's how he gets it's what he gets done and how he gets it done that I think fascinates people. Uh, just yeah, he's got style, and and he's really really good. What were his stats last night? He was like thirty-two of forty-one or something. I, I don't have him. In thirty-one front of, me, of forty-two, three hundred and eighty-five yards and four. Count them four yeah. touchdowns. And when they when they needed that drive, uh, when after the Ravens had closed the gap, uh, he was there. Money, man, absolute money. That drive, uh, the, uh, the drive I'm thinking of to extend that lead. What was it about? What was it about fifteen play drive or something? I don't know. I didn't count them, uh, but it seemed like it was along those lines, and it was just masterful. So, so now here, this, this is the real question, Gordon. When does he get tired of winning so much and want to retire to a cush job back at BYU? Uh, <laughs> never. I know. I'm, I I bring that up. Uh, I bring that up tongue in cheek. Uh, for two reasons, you know, I always kind of laughed at uh, at those thoughts that oh, what if Andy Reid coached BYU just because, you know, he he's had so so much success in the NFL. But also to point out that, you know, boy Lavelle Edwards certainly had an impact on yeah. on football, didn't he? With with uh, the coaches and players and in life, really, well, not, not just football. Make... But it's it's pretty cool that he's a, a Lavelle Edwards disciple. Let's make a quick list. And we're going to miss some names, but let's think about some of the people under Lavelle. And Lavelle learned from some of them as well. People like Doug Scoville, uh, Andy Reid, Mike Leach. Uh, um, I'm spacing on his name. Now. I don't think Mike who, Leach actually ever coached under Lavelle. He didn't coach. He didn't coach, but he was there at BYU. And there was definitely an influence there, I think. Uh, who's the guy I'm thinking of that went to Green Bay when I uh, had all the success? Mike Holmgren. Mike Holmgren, yeah. Um, and and we're probably forgetting. If we're five, if six, we're uh, if we're including um, if we're including Leach in this discussion, then parameters are a little loose. So I will say you are missing one Super Bowl winning coach who played at BYU. I don't believe he. I don't believe he coached under Lavelle. I'd have to. Go back and double check. But played at BYU. You mean other than Andy Reid? Other than Andy Reid. Who was it? Brian Billick. Oh, yeah. Won a Super Bowl with uh, the Ravens. Yeah. That is true. There's got to be other. Norm Chow went on and and certainly has had a big-time impact. And, uh, Uh I mean – you know, and then you look at guys from those coaching trees. I mean, half the Big Twelve coaching uh, coaches are from Mike Leach's uh, coaching tree. You know, it's 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 pretty nuts. It, the the impact that that one person had on on football. I mean, we just talked about three Super Bowl winning coaches that had some sort of connection to Lavelle Edwards. That's that's pretty amazing. Given that Lavelle quit coaching, what was his last year? Ninety nine, ninety eight, ninety nine. Oh, it was ninety nine. Right I mean, that wasn't that 2000. long ago. Two thousand. Thank you, Austin. Mm-hmm. That wasn't that long ago. So I mean, it's it's pretty incredible the impact that uh, that he had on the sport of football. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Lavelle Edwards and his he gets credit for it. Uh, he had some terrific assistance as we mentioned through the years, but uh, they, he changed the attitudes 
of uh, many coaches in the college game because so many of them were three yards in a cloud of dust. And Lavelle looked at what he had at BYU and said, uh, okay, I'm going to be willing to listen, and I'm going to change things up. I'm going to throw the football. And there was a period of time uh, once Lavelle got that going that it seems like there was a little bit of backlash to that. It was almost as though throwing the football a lot was an admission of guilt of some sort. But uh, on the whole, football has moved in that direction in a major way, and the rules have made it easier and uh, more prominent, and we see its effect in the NFL. So, yeah, all the way around. Yeah, just pretty interesting in, in, you know, bringing this back full circle. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes seem to be be perfect. I mean, you, you think about this, like Donovan McNabb, was was really good. I mean, he was a a pro bowl, not a pro bowler, but a pro bowl player. He was excellent, and he got him to a Super Bowl, and he got him to a few conference championships, and he was a really good player. Uh, But look now at Andy Reid having the best quarterback in the league. It's it's pretty incredible what what he's what he's able to do with it. I mean, other than that, you know, Michael Vick had a couple of years for him. Alex Smith played all right, right, but never really had the 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 best quarterback. Or even you know, again, am I selling Donovan short by not even putting him in the upper echelon of of quarterbacks at the time he played? He was good, not great, you know. And here's yeah, Andy Reid with a great great quarterback, and look how good this team is. the 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 rest of the league is going to be scrambling for years to figure it out. Well, the two most successful coaches in the NFL, Bill Belichick, and and, and I put Andy Reid second. Well, certainly now that he's got the the Super Bowl uh, qualifier in his title, I don't know, I don't know who else you would really put up there. Mike Tomlin, maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, hmm. yeah, I guess. Oh, come on. Mike Tomlin's a pretty great coach. Yeah, he is. I mean, the Steelers uh-huh. are always good, and he has what two Super Bowl rings. Who else do you uh, would you? Uh, Pete Carroll's you, pretty great. Pete Carroll, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are names I don't know if I'm putting above Andy Reid, but I mean, no, you know, great but coaches that, in the that NFL great? right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like we're probably selling somebody uh, short. But Pete Carroll, I not to go off on a tangent, but I I'm surprised with how good he's been with the uh, with the Seahawks because he was he was great at USC, no doubt, and. You know, knew how to play the game of college football and, you know, how to grease the wheels, so to speak. Uh, but he was <laughs> not good with the Patriots before he was at USC. If you remember, was he with the Jets maybe before that? Where Maybe I'm getting him mixed up. But he was not a great NFL coach. And Seattle has been good since he got there. Sometimes coaches need to learn their way. I mean, Belichick had his struggles, you know, before he went to New England. Right. So, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, guys guys who are bright will figure it out. And I think Andy Reid is really bright. What was the really story good. with, uh, didn't didn't Belichick take the Jets job for a day and then yes, leave? Yes, I think so. Is that mm-hmm. the story? Well, wasn't it, it was to take the Patriots job, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, because uh, Parcells left the Patriots and. Belichick was like, hmm. And he resigned via fax, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, awesome. Really? 
That's that's incredible. Resigning via fax <laughs> when you've had the job for a day. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's almost uh, who who was it? Rory that broke up with Caroline Wozniacki broke off their engagement with a text. You know, yeah. I don't have a bit, I don't have a huge problem with a guy changing his mind. No, you know, I mean, I don't. I bet the Jets I, I, disagree with you. Well, look, he thought about it, and then then he said, okay, and then he said, no, what am I doing? This isn't what I want to do. So he changed his mind. Big deal. I got no problem with that. Was maybe it, if, uh, he dragged, if he dragged it on for maybe uh, three months, that might have been worse, but... Well, see, I'm, I'm surprised because usually you don't like, you know, hypocrisy. Like, what? How did you feel about that? Changing mind's not hip- hypocrisy. Well, what? He changed you, his mind inside of 24 hours. He changed his mind. How about What's the well, with that? He changed his mind. Okay, maybe not hypocrisy. Maybe that's not the right word. But he changed his mind when a better gig came open. Like, well. how did you feel about <laughs> Steve Alford when he signed a big old long extension with New Mexico and was like, I love it here in Albuquerque. I'm staying here for a long time. And a week later... UCLA called and he took a different job. A well, week, he's, he's stiffed a week my later. Logos, you know, I mean, what do I got to do with that? You you know? you, but Belichick didn't change his mind. A better gig came open. <laughs> <laughs> he changed his mind. He thought, you know what? They're better than you. So I'm going to take that, even though I just committed to you. So. Uh, have a good day, sir. Well, I mean, like uh, like John L. Smith did at the Weber State. Where he comes in, he's like, yes, I'm so happy to be here at Weber. I uh, uh, I love this place, and this is home. And then Bobby Petrino wrecks his motorcycle and uh, gets himself fired from Arkansas. And John L. Smith goes, I'm just, I was just kidding. <laughs> just, I know that was only a day ago. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'll see you later. Have a good one. I thought about one. it, as Gordon Munson told me to, and now I've decided. I, I've changed my mind. <laughs> Because the Arkansas job is open, that's right. My word is my bond. And, I, okay. and in that Weber State case, I, I particularly that was particularly terrible because that really set that program back big time. Uh, as you know, Mac Mac handed off the reins with the program in fairly decent shape, and it it took a, several years for Coach Hill to bring it out of that uh, that the depths that it sank to because of that move. So I have a question. But he changed his mind. Yes, your question. Uh, oh, I think, okay, not every change of the mind is exactly the same. But <laughs> I, I don't have a big problem with people changing their mind. And they admit it and they say it. But it's, it, it, sometimes it might be a little more clouded than others uh, or more crystal clear, I guess. But uh, how is it that Bill Belichick, has what we had? Uh, let's see. He had, if memory serves, like four out of his five seasons in Cleveland were losing seasons. How 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 does he suddenly become the greatest coach ever? Uh well, he probably learned along the way. Uh, I'm guessing that's part of it. The second part of it is you have to find the right organization. You know, it's not all just a coach. You have to find the right organization with the the right people in place that are going to build the correct team. You know, it's it's truly about you. You know, 
Jerry Krause, and I heard PK talking about this. Jerry Krause uh, took a bad rap in the last dance, and he kind of wasn't around really to defend himself. And I remember, you know, uh, him uh, talking about the organization and all this stuff and thinking, well, yeah, you've got Michael Jordan, man. And there's a certain amount of truth to that. But there's also an organization that puts – you know, great players and great coaches in position to succeed. I, I, I really believe that. So, you know, Bill Belichick probably had some learning to do as a head coach, but also, you know, the Cleveland Browns, they don't, they haven't won a lot traditionally. So it's a, it's a classic example of a coach not having the wherewithal, not having what he needed to win. Uh, yeah, I think he did learn as he went, but, it's not like he sucked as a coach when he was had those back-to-back seven and nine seasons. These these are his, his seasons in Cleveland: six and ten, seven and nine, seven and nine. Then he had that stellar run, eleven and five, and the next year it was five and eleven. So that's that's Bill Belichick. I mean, the with a guy who people think is the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, or one of them. Here, and I'll get. I'll give you an example of the the coach and the the um, the you know structural organization that when they came together really was uh, uh, one of the most unbelievable runs in NFL history, and that's Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Mm-hmm. When they were together, they were incredible. Those Dallas teams were amazing. But after they couldn't get along and didn't realize that they were good for one another, Jimmy Johnson uh, you know coached out his career with some. Uh, slightly below average years with the Dolphins and Jerry Jones hasn't been able to put it together since because he his ego has gotten so out of control and he's got to have you know make every single decision so th- those things have to meet you know Bill Belichick and and Bob Kraft have have been a good team pair that with Tom Brady and it's the the you know the best teams or the best run really in NFL history right yeah yeah uh yeah, so so don't. That's what my point is that sometimes we judge coaches, and we think, okay, he's he's not as good a coach as we thought he he would be or it would be, and, and he's not. Uh, but he he might be. He just didn't have the right circumstances, and that's that what you said, and that's 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 perfectly said. You've got it's not always the coach's fault, and yet it's often the coach that falls on that sword. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.